top 10 center fielders, plain and simple. Let's get into it. Dylan Campione, James Tausig, Nico Fernandez, Henry Kalani after half an hour of some stuff that'll never be aired. We're here talking center fielders, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, stack position, Julio Rodriguez, and a bunch of other all-stars, MVPs, gold glovers, silver sluggers, and everything in between. Same as usual. We'll go 10 to 1 through our list, and then we'll talk about the players that we actually discussed. So, Henry, 10 to 1. All right. Start at 10, we got Dylan Cruz, 9, Wyatt Langford, 8, Byron Buxton, center, 7, Michael Harris, 6, Brandon Nimmo, 5, Cody Bellinger, 4, Luis Robert Jr., 3, Mike Trout, 2, Julio Rodriguez, 1, Aaron Judge. Nico? Starting off at 10, we got Wyatt Langford. Coming in at number 9, we got Josh Chisholm, 8, Dylan Cruz, 7, Cody Bellinger, 6, Brandon Nimmo, 5, Michael Harris, Four, Luis Robert, three, Julio Rodriguez, two, Aaron Judge, and at number one, we got Mike Trout. James. Number 10, I have Dylan Cruz, nine, Wyatt Langford, eight, Cody Bellinger, seven, Brandon Nimmo, six, Byron Buxton, five, Luis Robert, four, Michael Harris, three, Julio Rodriguez, two, Mike Trout, and number one, Aaron Judge. All right, and I've got Jackson Churio at 10, Jung Lee at nine, Buxton, Harris, Bellinger at six, Luis Robert at five, Brandon Nimmo four, J-Rod three, Judge two, and Mike Trout at number one. And I think this is one of the first positions that we've had. The number one spot is not unanimous. And I think there's an argument to be made, and obviously you're about to hear them, as to why Judge and Trout could claim the spot. We'll go to the two Yankee fans that had Aaron Judge at number one first and hear their takes on this issue. Yeah, I love my Pookie Bear. The dude's a G. He doesn't stop hitting. He plays underratedly great defense. I mean, if he hadn't hurt his toe, I think we would have seen another historic season. Out of him. I'm not saying he would have broken the record, but I think he would have come close. Um, I don't see any reason why Aaron Judge won't continue to do what he's been doing the past couple of years. Um, as long as he doesn't run into a wall um, and tear his toe off, then I think he'll be fine. And I don't. I think until he until he per, doesn't perform like the best overall center fielder. I think he, there's no reason to not put him there. Yeah, it shouldn't even it, argument, yeah. it, it shouldn't even be a debate. He played 106 games and still hit 37 homers. Um, you know, he was on pace for 50 again. Um, unfortunately, the Dodgers, you know, such a cheap organization, uh, <laughs> can't build a sturdy wall. Um, a problem that seems to be constant uh, in some parts of the United States. Um, but yeah, I think I think as long as Judge can stay healthy this season. Uh, I don't see a reason why uh, 50 plus homers is off the table, and he's easily the best center field fielder center fielder uh, of all players in the position. Uh, I will ask you that quickly though. Is there any concern with Judge moving full time to center field? Yeah, I mean, no, not at all. Absolutely, I, but I, I, I Helps think war, more war. <laughs> more I, don't, I, I mean, he's not doing it full time, right? It's lit. It's for what? I think it's going to be like six months until Dominguez comes back. I have yeah, faith only like 145 Judge. games. It's fine. <laughs> Not no, but I, I, I mean, like, I mean, like, full time for this season, and then 
I don't have any concerns for the rest of his career. I think he'll he we know he's a good defender, and as long as he again doesn't run into any walls, he's done what people say Stan does with improving his flexibility and his athleticism. Right, every year we see reports that Stan's really he's gotten into yoga, he's doing Zumba, like whatever whatever Stan does, Judge actually did, and I feel confident that he'll be able to stay on the field every day. Nico, the counter argument. Yeah, um, I'm still on the Mike Trout is going to be good when healthy train. And maybe I get off the train too late, but I'm still a believer that if Trout goes and he plays 130, 40 games, I think he's going to have an 1,000 OPS. I do think that it's really one thing where we're comparing and it's like razor thin margins because I think that there's a strong possibility that both of these guys have an 1,000 OPS next year. Personally, I think that as long as Trout stays healthy, I think he's going to be more comfortable in center field than Judge for some reason he's played it his whole career. So I think if they both are at an 1,000 OPS and they both play, I think Trout's going to get back to being healthy, hopefully, because I think everyone wants to see him be the elite player that he's always been. So I think if he's healthy and he goes back to what we all expect Mike Trout to be, they're both going to have a 1,000 OPSs. And I think it's just a simple fact that I think he'll be a better defender this year than him. So by an edge, I'm going to say Mike Trout's going to be Mike Trout again this year, and he'll be the best center fielder. And maybe, one again, maybe the best player in baseball yet again. And then me adopting the moderator role, it seems like on tonight's episode, I have to ask you the worrying question, just like Judge's injury. First time in around six, seven years that Mike Trout will not have Shohei Otani hitting right next to him in the order. Any fear that Trout is just not going to get any pitches to hit this year? Absolutely not, for the simple reason of Mike Trout was better, objectively was better when um, he wasn't with Otani. And that has a lot of things to do with it from the point of him being a lot healthier, him being younger. But, I mean, we've seen him do it. We're acting like the Angels were good when Mike Trout was in his prime. That's not just true. So Mike Trout has shown that he can hit with no one around him. So I I don't see that as being a problem because that's when he won all his MVPs, when he had no one uh, way out of his prime. Albert Pujols was the guy hitting behind him. I love Albert Pujols, but that's just a fact. So I'm really not concerned of him hitting by himself. And then there was sort of this third guy in the top tier, and I think it's Trout, it's Judge, and it's Julio Rodriguez. For Nico, myself, and James, we all had him at number three. Henry, you're the only one to have him above Trout, put him at number two in that spot. How close was it for you between those three? Do you think there's a world where J-Rod is the one by the end of the season and you actually have the confidence to put him above Mike Trout? Yeah, no, it's it's like it was a razor-thin margin for me. I mean, I love Mike Trout. I have arguments all the time with my boomer parents who say that he's that he just hasn't played enough and hasn't played enough in a big market i love mike trout um i just think that i i feel like j-row is going to be a little more reliable that i am very confident that he's going to play for the whole season i'm not as confident with mike trout um but no it's it for me that was two a to b um there's a there's a world where j-row's number one right like if he if he has a second half that he had last year, but extends it for a full season, I don't, I don't see why you can't make a case for him. Um, one, two, three is really close, and then this second tier becomes a little more interesting. But no, Trout and J Rod are both great and very similar levels of players. Nico, yeah, I mean, just to add with what he's saying. When I first like approached this list, the first question I asked myself before I did anything is, do I think Julio Rodriguez is going to be MVP this year? And for a good five minutes, like 10 minutes, I really wanted to put him number one because I thought that he may be my pick to be the MVP. I already said earlier, my NO MVP is locked up. I think it's Harper. But again, 
if we're going and we're projecting the 2024 season, I think there's a lot of people that could argue that Julio is number one just from the simple reason of he has every opportunity to win the AL MVP this year with Otani being gone. So I think that's not out of the question that he's number one. I think that because of the confidence we have in Mike Trout and Aaron Judge when healthy, he kind of just gets three by default. But if anyone here put Julio number one, it could have just been the simple argument of, I think he's winning MVP. And I think it's a completely valid argument. I mean, I think, again, like you said, I think we're really, we're talking about guys who are razor thin. I think Julio, it's, he's eventually, in my opinion, Julio is going to be the best center fielder. And I think it's more of a thing of when do we think it's going to be? Is it going to be this year? Is it going to be two years from now? Is it going to be three years from now? I think Julio, I can say almost without a doubt that he will be number one eventually. And just when does he? James, you were our highest guy on Michael Harris, putting him number four on your list. Thoughts on a breakout season? I know he'd have won the rookie of the year, took a little bit of a step back in 2023 after a rough beginning of the year, definitely started to find his way towards the end of the year. But your thoughts on putting him at number four? Yeah, I think I think Michael Harris um, had a really slow start to the year last year. I think he was hitting like 130 for like the first month. Uh, still managed to finish the season at 293 with 18 homers, um, 20 stolen bases, and a 114 OPS plus. Um, I think... I think Harris gets slept on a lot because he has to hit ninth in this loaded Braves order. I think most teams, he would be probably a leadoff guy, probably a guy that would hit at the front of the lineup if it wasn't for Ronald Acuna, Austin Riley, Ozzy Albies, Sean Murphy, Matt Olson, uh, Orlando Arcia. I mean, the list goes on and on. They have Marcelo Zuna. They have eight other guys in front of him that are just as good, if not a better hitter than him. Um, so I think it's hard to look at his – you know, run driving in stats. Uh, he only has 76 runs, 57 RBIs, and that kind of hurts the war, and it kind of hurts his overall offensive output stats. Um, but the fact that he was able to come all the way back from hitting 130 at the start of the season to 294 uh, just shows how good of a player he is. Uh, and offense is really his weaker side of the ball. He's an A++ defender in center fielder, the premier defender at the position. Um, no one roams center field uh, the way he does down there in Atlanta. Um, so that's why I, I was so high on him. I think his defense plus his ability to still produce in the nine hole for Atlanta uh, just makes him such a, a top tier center fielder. We've had two James Tausig war references in the first five minutes. Getting a little concerned for this podcast. But Nico, talk to us about Luis Robert and the tough decision going into how to rank him. Yeah, Luis Robert, the big thing with me is his health because I think he's a physical specimen and I think that everyone sees him and he definitely looks the part. And last year, he looked the part and he did the part. He absolutely raked last year. He was a top four out center fielder last year. And I think, again, the big question is, are we going to keep on getting the inconsistency that we got out of him over the last four years? He's kind of been bad, very good elite, bad, and then very good last year. So are we going to get the very bad again? It's kind of going to be a roller coaster, or was that just the health with him? I personally am going to say it's just the health, and I think I understand he's definitely not going to get pitched to this year. I mean, it's just a fact of life, but I do think that he is going to still hunt those mistake pitches, and when he gets those mistake pitches, I think that his physicality puts his ceiling higher than a guy like Michael Harris, even though I have Michael Harris at five. I love Michael Harris. Puts him ahead of guys like Brandon Nimmo, Cody Bellinger. I think what he can do when he's firing on all cylinders puts him easily – in my opinion, I think it puts him at the bottom of that tier one category. And I think Michael Harris could also be in that tier one. I think that Michael Harris and Luis Robert at their peak, I think are just as good as Julio Rodriguez. I just don't think we've seen either of their peaks yet. Henry, I want to discuss with you because you mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast before we hit record. 
Cody Bellinger is impossible to rank because at times yeah. he's looked like the 32nd best center fielder as a backup. <laughs> and then this year slash in other years, he's looked like a top five center fielder in baseball. Yeah. Um, I love Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger is, is like a representation to me of when like, of what I would call the peak of my baseball fandom in my life so far. So I will always have a soft spot for him. I think that what we saw last year is here to stay. I think whoever he ends up signing with, they're going to get a great version of Cody Bellinger. I think he will be a top five center fielder in baseball. Um, obviously, there are so many concerns about his consistency because he fell off for like two straight years, and that doesn't just happen and you just ignore it. But I believe that Cody Bellinger is – he's the guy who we all think – or who we all thought he was back in 2019. Had a, had a bit of a slip up there. But I really do believe that that as a Cody Bellinger optimist, that he's a top five uh, center fielder in baseball. One word answer is all four of us. I'll go around the horn. 2024, Cody Bellinger will be playing for Nico. Giants, and he's not even a center fielder. James. Uh, Cardinals. Ooh, I like that one. Ooh, Henry. I love that. Uh, one moment, one moment, one moment. <laughs> Looking at betting odds. <laughs> yeah, that's actually exactly what I'm doing. We're gonna see. I'll stall some time, and I think that the Blue Jays, after seeing the Yankees sign Marcus Stroman, need to continue to compete in the AL East, and they get like Belly to play center. Or Belly will play same wavelength as Nico. He doesn't play center field this year. He's the left fielder because Kiermaier's in center, and Varsho becomes that Roman guy for them. Cubbies, Cubbies goes home. I like it. Let's then talk about a guy, and I'm going to get out of my soapbox finally. Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God. Nobody realizes. I love Brandon Nimmo so much. We want to be like the Yankees, make Brandon Nimmo a captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. But a 130 OPS plus, 25 bombs, a four war, getting better defensively, and although this is a center field episode, he doesn't have to play center field anymore. No, no, no. Because <laughs> Harrison Bader exists. And yes, there's a part of me, but don't worry, because we have fan submitted lists. So we'll get to talk about Harrison Bader in a couple minutes. But Brennan Immo is a great left fielder. He would have pushed for my number one left fielder spot had we done left fielders this week. But unfortunately, the Mets decided to sign Harrison Bader and we decided to sign a week early and do the episode. So I think Brandon Nimmo makes a lot of sense. He walks a ton. He hustles a lot. The one part of his game that I think was missing that he's had in the past and just was not there this year was stolen bases. He stole three bases this year. He's fast. We know as everyone mocks, I'm sure I'm about to get the chirping birds for this hustles to first base a lot. Sprints wow. to first base. Wow. Jesus right, Christ. So, Actually, I, okay. Top five. No, top five. No, here's, a, no, here's my uh, top okay. two my even. My number top one two. Because he runs hard to first. No, it's just I ran because... hard to first base in my playing days. I didn't run. Okay. I didn't run no, fast. What I'm it's saying okay. is it's hard. okay, Dylan. Dylan, it's okay. I'm I'm about to hit you with some knowledge. Uh-oh. It's going to prove <laughs> why Brandon Nemo not be so high on your list. So... You know, I was perusing the statistics, you know, getting my full knowledge of Brandon Nimmo intact. And when I look at his defensive statistics, you know, his defensive run saved, his total 
zone total fielding runs above average. His we don't know what that means. Yeah, James, James defines zone total <laughs> no, runs above average. No, and it's it's his it's his defensive metrics that I'm looking at. And when he plays in the corners, he's actually an above average defender. He's quite good in the outfield, but when he plays center field, he's actually a negative WAR player. He's not he, playing center field. <laughs> well, guess what list we're making, Dylan. Guess what list we're making? This is what we're list making, we put him in. We're making a center field ago. list, Dylan. <laughs> you, you Dylan, you set who plays where. I take into account how they play defense in the position that we are ranking. And he is a negative defender in center field. Negative, negative, negative across every single statistic, Dylan. So I don't want to hear it. Oh, he doesn't play center. Oh, well, guess what we're ranking? We're ranking center field. We ranked left field last weekend. If you wanted to put him in left field, which you could have, and he probably would have been number one because left field sucks. You could have done that, <laughs> and you didn't. So but he was a week ago. He wasn't a left fielder. No, he was. They signed Bader the day whop, we did. I don't know. But I feel like the argument with Nemo is that he's a consistent performer. Everyone else on this list that we've talked about so far, injury concern: Robert, Judge, Trout, Jazz, Buxton. Nimmo's played over 150 games back-to-back seasons. The health injuries that he had at the beginning of his career seem to be behind him. I just think you know what you're going to get out of Brandon Nimmo. And again, it's the boring Dylan argument that I've had for the defense last and nine weeks. Okay, he's not going to play center. We have Tyrone Taylor and we have Harrison okay, Bader. Well, then let's make sure. Let's take, let's take, let's take Tyrone Taylor. Let's all take Nimmo off of our list. If Nimmo's not going to play center field, if Nimmo's not going to play center field, let's take him off our list. It's that simple. That's Why? not, that's not fair because not that's not fair because we're just not going to not rank Nemo in whole <laughs> positional <laughs> rankings. He can go in DH. He can go in the DH ranking. <laughs> Brandon Nemo's the best. No, we got Jordan and Shohei. Whatever. <laughs> Next up on our list, we're going to skip down to that bottom part of the section that a really a lot of us used, especially in this episode, as sort of the breakout guy. And the 9 and 10, because I think we established that there is – Seven and a half very established guys, and we'll get into the Buxton and Jazz Chisholm debates in a second because half included, half didn't. But let's go down to the fun ones, in my opinion. That's the breakout. So, Henry, the floor is yours first. Your nine and ten are two guys that have not played in the big leagues yet. Yeah, um, I'm going to save Dylan Cruz for Nico because he's Thank champing you. at the bit for it. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Wyatt Langford is was one of my favorite players to watch last season on the college baseball scene. That guy does not stop hitting. He is so good at baseball. And frankly, I don't see any reason why the Rangers don't call him up this year. Um, obviously, the sample size is small in the minors, but he's one of those types of players. I mean, we had a stacked draft class last year, but he was one of those types of players who I really think that Looking at what he did in college, you could actually project him to be a great Major League Baseball player. I think he's going to absolutely tear the cover off the ball and play good enough defense to win you some ball games. And that's really like what what else are the Rangers asking for? That's literally their team identity, right? Like tear the cover off the baseball and play good enough defense to win you some ball games. So that is what Wyatt Langford is. Quick question then to throw at you before we go on to Nico's Dylan Cruz comment. Do you think that Langford's just a better player than Cruz according to these rankings in 2024 alone? I think he gets or because up I know because I know Cruz was drafted above Langford. So do you think like over the next decade Cruz is a better player or is 2024 the beginning of a better run for Langford than Cruz? Frankly, Wyatt Langford's going to get more pitches to hit. Um, yeah. 
Dylan Cruz is in a little bit weaker of a lineup. Um, and I also I think Wyatt Langford gets a little more time to play this year. I think Dylan Cruz gets called up a little bit later than he does, so he'll have a little more time on the on the big stage. Nico, you flipped them Cruz over Langford. Give us the Cruz argument. I actually think just the opposite of what Henry thinks. I think Dylan Cruz is going to get called up earlier for two reasons. One, Victor Robles sucks. First thing, just that simple. Um, and two, yes, he's going to be able to hit in that lineup because he's going to be so down. But I think for that reason, they don't need him. If J- Travis Jankowski is playing a very good center field, Adolis and Evan Carter are raking. Why do you need Wyatt Langford to get rushed up? I think especially if the Nationals go and they surprise people this year, they had a, a better run in the second half. If they get off to a hot start, call Dylan Cruz up and try and make a thing. I think that we're done. I think that we're going to start seeing a change in baseball where guys out of college, I think, are going to get drafted more frequently. And they already have. And I think that those guys, I think they're going to be a lot similar to Angels routes where it's maybe not as soon as what the Angels have done but that they're going to get called up a lot sooner if they perform. I think him, Paul Skeens, Wyatt Langford. Now going to Dylan Cruz specifically, I think Dylan Cruz was the best player in college baseball last year. Obviously, everyone agreed. He won the Golden Spikes. And I think that since I have a lot of faith in guys that have been elite-level people since high school. The only reason Dylan Cruz was not an 18-year-old getting drafted is because he said, don't sign me, I'm going to LSU. As he said it months before the draft, if it wasn't for that, he would have been a top draft pick in that draft. And we may even see him in the MLB right now. I think at Dylan Cruz in high school, he was the best prospect in high school. In college, he was the best hitter in college. And now he's gotten to the minors and he's produced. So all I have to think is why wouldn't he do the same thing of when he gets to the majors? I understand it's an adjustment, but I have faith in the guy who consistently has been the best player at whatever age group he's been in, I think what he gets in may struggle a little bit at first, but I think he's going to have time to turn it around. And I think when we look at the rest of these guys, I think that they're not going to hit enough and Dylan Cruz is going to do enough defensively and enough offensively that we're going to see him. We're going to be like, yeah, he was a top eight outfielder, center fielder for the simple reason of he's just going to figure it out because he's always figured it out. I really like both of your takes on Langford and Cruz and really want to find room for both of them on the list. Unfortunately, it is that question of since we are looking at 2024 alone. Now, if this was a, and that would be a cool list to do, best of the next decade and looked at it with that, I'd clearly put your two guys that you just mentioned above the two that I'm about to go for. But A, the Brewers gave Jackson Trio the extension, put him on the 40-man roster. He's going to be the opening day center fielder. And likewise with the Giants just throwing, I believe it was around $60, $80 billion on Jung Hooli. I forgot the exact amount. But both of those guys will be here on opening day getting daily reps playing center field. We've just envisioned a world that, in Nico's case, Laody Tavares is raking, Travis Jankowski is doing good in center, White Langford doesn't get called up until July and August. Likewise, Dylan Cruz, the Nationals could realize, A, if they're good, yes, maybe they might rush him to the big leagues, but quote-unquote rushing to the big leagues is what? May? June? Maybe? I don't see a world where he's the opening day center fielder, especially in a year that the Nationals are tanking, why would they rush the service time manipulation? So I think both of those guys have the disadvantage of not playing the full season. And this does then beg the question, 162 games of Jackson Trio versus 90 of Dylan Cruz. Now, again, we've seen in the past it happened, I believe, if the year was 2018 or 2016 with Gary Sanchez, where he came up and played in 
40 games and was a top 10 catcher in just those 40 games. So it can be done. But I think the problem is, and I know we do have to move on because we're running already at 40 minutes, which is crazy to think. Um, we are going to see a big question as to whether it's 162 games of some guy who might not be as talented as some of the top prospects, but we see some roadblocks into those top guys making their way to the majors at a quick pace. Quickly to wrap things up on our top tens, Chisholm, Buxton, Nico, defend your guy, Jazz, who you once infamously knocked in in a home run, according to Paul Severino. Exactly. Um, Jazz, I just, him and Buxton are actually found very similar. I think if Jazz is healthy, I think we can see what he did at second base in the first half two years ago. I understand it's two years ago, but I do think that he has the athleticism. He's going to be better in center field this year. I think both of the guys, their thing is health. And when I was looking at both of them, those were actually the guys that I was thinking like him, Langford, and and Jazz were the guys that I was looking at. And I don't have faith that Buxton's going to play 80 games in center field. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's a wild take. I think that there's a very good chance that he plays either the majority of games at DH because they want to save his health and just take him offensively, or he gets hurt again. I'm not off that train with Jazz yet. I do think he's had the injury concerns as basically every single person on this list. But I still have faith of he's young. I've seen him succeed offensively. I've seen him rake offensively. And I think that when he's healthy and at 100%, he's going to be that guy. So I have to have faith that the injuries are behind him and that he's going to be healthy this year. And I think if he's healthy, he's going to be a top 10 center fielder. After he had this year, yes, he was a little injured, but he's going to adjust this year defensively. He's athletic enough to now that he's used to that center field, he could be an above average center fielder defensively. Obviously, his arm is a little bit of a concern, but I think that when he's healthy, I think we should expect what he did that first half before he got hurt at second base. When we we're arguing, is he this, one of the best second basemen in baseball? Is he the top second base? And then he got hurt and it kind of fell by the wayside. So I think if he can produce what he did at first second base, I think he's clearly going to be a top 10 center fielder. James is our biggest Byron Buxton supporter. Give us the argument before we head into some yay or nay. Yeah, I have no really support for Byron Buxton. <laughs> um, it's just like kind of like his entire career. Like everyone's just everyone. I mean, I guess I'm kind of on this train by myself. It's just like, he should be so good. He should be an MVP guy. He should be a 40-40 guy, and it just never happens. And I'm such a degenerate that I think it's going to happen. This is the year. Like, I just keep, like, the roulette table keeps taking all my money, and then I keep going back and getting more money and putting it putting it on the table, and I'm probably going to lose again. Um, <laughs> but that's okay because I'm having fun, uh, and I'm going to keep saying that Byron Buxton is going to be that guy this year, even though he's probably going to miss 125 games. Uh, and hit 200 in the games he does play. Um, but yeah, he just has he has the potential to hit 30 home runs and steal 30 bases like every year. Will he stay healthy? Will he do it? We will see. All right, and let's get into the segment that we love to do, yay or nay again. This is where our co-host and our panel here rates the predictions that you guys send in. Of course, next week we'll be doing right fielders, same time next week, so send them in sideretiredpod at gmail.com for your takes as well as the Instagram and the Twitter at sideretiredpod. The first ones come from our internal guys as per usual. Harry Kilman, Cedric Mullins at number six. He hit 233. Yeah. Nay had a sad nay. Tried to put him, but six is wild. A sad nay. 
Yeah. How about how about another guy that broke out in 2023? And if it was just 2023 statistics, would have a solid argument. James Outman of the Dodgers at number 10. I'm with it. I'm with at, it. At I 10? I like 10 as the hedger bets. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think if we didn't have, if we assumed that every single person that didn't hasn't played isn't there, I think I, he would have definitely been in my top 10. I He was one of the guys. He's probably like, 12, 13 for me. And I think that I just had, I like putting my bets on the young guys and I like saving those spots for those bets so that it looks smart if they do pop off. But I think if we're doing guys that hadn't played and I had to take out Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford, that he would have been in a really good argument for 10. We had a listener say that he will not produce the stats that counting wise will not hit 30 homers, 100 RBIs, but in the matchups that he plays in, plays like a top 10 center fielder, Adam Duvall. I, I mean, I can take this one because he was on the Red Sox. Yeah. No, because he's not going to be on the Red Sox. Is my I mean, that simple. And I've said it before. I think that the Red Sox are able to get guys to overproduce. And I think if he leaves the Red Sox, I think we're going to get more of what he had been the three previous years before, and not what he was this year on the Red Sox. If he comes back to the Red Sox, I'll absolutely say yay. But I am ninety-five percent sure that he's not coming back. So I'm going to have to say nay on that. James, someone used their 10 on Pete Crow Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he's an elite defender. We'll have to see if the hitting comes along. Uh, he's kind of that's kind of been his one knock through his whole development in the minor league system. Um, I don't hate it. I mean, uh, if I'm putting Cruz and, and Langford on my list, I have to respect someone else having high hopes for uh Pete Crow Armstrong. Um I think the potential is obviously there. Um, will he hit it and at the major league level? That's the big question mark. I want to make that um, Matt Fernandez, friend of the pod, uh, struck him out in a showcase, and it wasn't even close. The guy went like 0 for that whole day. It was embarrassing. Um, He's a bust. Matt Fernandez, filthy. Just made him look silly. Um, Yeah, he's a bust. You know, once at a showcase, I was a PO, but they accidentally put down that I was the first baseman too. And so I had to go take some ABs. That went well. Yeah, Pete Crew Armstrong wasn't a PO. (laughs) I look I, I looked like Pete Crow Armstrong out there. He looked, I must say. he looked like a P let me tell you, Pete Crow Armstrong looked like a PO in those two days in Arizona that I saw. Yeah. <laughs> How about a couple other names I'm gonna throw out there? Any of these interest you before we get into our two final and most controversial ones? We've got Trent Grisham, Jose Siri, Kevin Kiermeyer, Jaron Duran, Jake Myers, Estuary Ruiz, Jack Sawinski, TJ Friedel, a lot of defensive heavy first minded guys. Estuary Ruiz is gonna steal hundred bases next year. That's my prediction. That's my, that's my hot take. Jaron Duran, I don't I just don't that guy's know how hot. his ceiling is. I don't know how high his ceiling is. He could be, definitely. I just I really like, even though I've watched him for two years, I don't know what his ceiling is with the Red Sox. I don't even know if he's gonna be a center fielder for the Red Sox. So he may slide into left for some reason. I, I don't even know if his future's gonna be at center field. So I don't have a lot of I just don't know his ceiling and if i don't know his ceiling watching 162 of those of that team i don't think anyone could know his ceiling who do you want first david or potter potter yeah. oh james no, tybricker we save potter for last let's i mean we yeah. save david for last uh, yeah. we'll save david for last okay matt potter from 10 to 1 10 cedric mullins 9 jazz chisholm solid we've we've bought both of those Eight, Julio Rodriguez. Yeah. That's wild. Seven, Michael Harris. 
Six, Louis Robert. Five, Byron Buxton. Four, Cody Bellinger. Quote, oh. Aaron Judge is not a top 10 center fielder because he's getting hurt. Gotcha. Three. Harrison. I'm going to put Byron Buxton on? Three, Harrison Bader. Two, Brandon Nimmo. And at number one, Michael John Trout. Okay, let's just go to the next one because I don't even want to move on to David. No judge and J Rod at eight. That, that broke up our that broke up our theory of there's a clear top three. Yeah. Oh no, theory is theory is still fully intact. Fully faith in Byron Buxton staying healthy and putting him at number five, but Aaron yeah. Judge is definitely going to get hurt. Is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. That's a Red Sox fan talking right there. <laughs> number ten on David's list, Cedric Mullins. Nine. He believes. White Langford doesn't make the majors this year because Laody Tavares is number nine. Okay. Eight. Michael J. Trout. What's that low? Let's just... We're cutting it. <laughs> Sad retired. <laughs> Seven. James Outman. Six. Michael We're Harris. We're going to say that James Outman is better than Trout. Yeah. Trout played 30 games this year, and he will probably still have a better year than freaking James Outman. Six. Michael Harris. Five. Brandon Nimmo. Four Cody Ballingers, three Luis Roberts, two Aaron Judges, and at number one, the thing that Nico said Julio. could be a realistic pick, Julio Rodriguez. I like I, that. I like I, that top half. I like that top. Talking half. crap on. Actually, Rodriguez. no, I don't because Trout's not there. Never mind. <laughs> I hate that top half. I really consider because like now we're starting. We're getting closer to the season, and I was like, dude. Who's my pick to win? And I still don't know, so I'm not going to base it off of it. But I'm fine with Julio 1. Um, the, re- the rest of it's pretty trash. Those <laughs> were, we've said, and again, cybertiredpod at gmail.com, the hotter your takes, the more likely they are to be included. David and Potter decided to scorch the earth and light Potter fire to everything. Potter put every single outfielder in a random number generator, in a random <laughs> Word generator and just picked the first 10 guys that were there. Oh, uh, we'll see. Well, we... he, was like, he was like, Whoa, Aaron Judge isn't there. I have to figure out an excuse for why I didn't put him. And he was like, Oh, I guess he's getting hurt. <laughs> well, of course, we'll be back next week. Of course, if you haven't got up on all the things we did this week, a lot of fun interviews. We interviewed a wide array of perspectives, including former big leader Colin Ballister, MLB player agent Jason Hoffman. We had another interview in between those as well. So again, we really appreciate all the support that everyone's been giving us. A couple of great interviews as well. The John Boy Connection Inside Retired is returning again next week with a fun interview as well as some other cool stuff on the way. So unless any of you guys have anything else fun to add, I have a fun night of editing ahead of me based on how the episode has gone. But for Dylan, James, Nico, and Henry, until the next time, aside is retired.